Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Dice of the Extra Rounds podcast. Usually, I have a co-host, Elias Zepeda, with me, but he is on vacation in Europe with his uh, lovely wife, so he will not be with us today. It'll be me by myself, um, and he's missing some big, big uh, news. Uh, Dana White just went on the Colin Cowherd show on Fox Sports and uh, announced that Ronda Rousey will be making her return to the UFC at UFC 207 in uh, the end of December in Las Vegas, it's a uh, card slated for the night before you, New Year's Eve. So it's going to be a huge, huge event. Um, if you have any questions about it, feel free to drop them in the comments below, and we'll try to do our best to answer uh, <clears throat> throughout the show. Thank you all for uh, tuning in. We also have uh, joining us Jose Youngs, who writes for uh, Flow Combat, Fansided uh, as well, <clears throat> joining us to talk about the announcement we also have a couple of bellator fighters joining us later in the show but the first thing we want to talk about of course ronda rousey there were rumors uh going all along that there were going to be um that there was going to be a huge fight uh, announced and a lot of people thought it was going to be ronda rousey then it was confirmed that dana white was going to go on the show to announce a fight uh fueling the speculation that we were close nearing the return and he confirmed it today not a surprise to a lot of people who uh followed the rumors very closely but a surprise to maybe the casual fan who wasn't expecting this um she steps right in uh she hasn't fought since november of last year when she got knocked out by holly holm in the second round she's been gone for a year almost uh it'll be more than a year by the time she steps into the cage and uh, she's fighting the champion, Amanda Nunes, who defeated Misha Tate at UFC 200 in the main event to win the belt uh, on her return. It's an interesting fight because Rousey's getting a uh, immediate title shot, and the title has changed essentially twice, uh, changed hands twice since she last fought with Misha Tate defeating Holly Holm and then Amanda Nunes eventually defeating um, Misha Tate. So it'll, it's an interesting matchup to see uh, how she'll do. A lot of people think it's a bad matchup for her that Amanda Nunes um, is well-rounded and a pretty prolific striker and that this could be uh, something that uh, spells doom for Ronda Rousey in her uh, return and sets the table for another shocking upset. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. Uh, but again, if you have any questions, drop it in the comments below. Um, so that's going to be December 30th on pay-per-view UFC 207. There's also still some rumors that there's going to be some fights announced for UFC 206 in Canada. Uh, because it's in Toronto, a lot of people are expecting a fight involving Georgia St. Pierre to be announced, but there's nothing, uh, that's come of yet yet. So right now, Ronda Rousey's dominating the headlines. And it's been interesting because Ronda Rousey is such a huge star and she carried the UFC for so long in terms of star power. Uh, and then Conor McGregor came along and it looked like the UFC was going to have these two huge stars to go co uh, side by side uh, for a while. But, you know, right as Conor McGregor was coming to prominence, um, you know, UFC 189, uh, Ronda Rousey fired at UFC 190, uh, knocking out Betch Correa. And there was two big cards back to back, a lot of attention. Uh, then Ronda Rousey goes on to fight at 193, gets knocked out. Conor McGregor fights at 194, and it's basically been the Conor McGregor show since then. Uh, John Jones has been out. Uh, he came back and fought once for the interim title. Uh, was supposed to headline UFC 200, so it looked like they were going to have a handful of stars, and they didn't. Uh, it's kind of been an issue that's plagued the UFC. They had one star that they had to la lean on for the past couple of years, and that was Conor McGregor. So Ronda Rousey returning presents an interesting situation. They have two stars that could anchor the roster and anchor pay-per-views uh to come but at the same time um <clears throat> if she loses then the ufc is in a bad spot but at this you know when you have a champion who's been around for so long how do you let her come back and give her any 
fight besides uh, the title. There's, you know, what other fight would you make? Or Holly Holmes lost uh, two fights since defeating Ronda Rousey. Uh, you could have her come back and fight another contender or Juliana Pena, but why, why stop that growth? You know, Julia, Juliana Pena is on a huge run. Why bring, uh, why stop that by giving Ronda Rousey a warm-up fight? And, you know, with her record, there's not necessarily a lot of, uh, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of hype for that fight, maybe. And with Ronda Rousey's record, she earns, she deserves a title shot is the right way to phrase this. Um, so, you know, shoot us your questions um, <clears throat> about this. Sorry, getting a little headphone issues. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Let me check the comments. So while we're waiting for Jose Youngs to uh, join us uh, to talk about the fight a little bit more stay, uh, in depth, let's go ahead and talk with uh, Chase Gormley of Bellator, who's going to be fighting at Bellator 162. Hey, Chase, how are you? So this is your opponent's major promotion debut. When you're fighting a guy who's lesser known, is it harder to prepare and uh, get video on somebody like that? So when you watch the tape, uh, what did you, what did you notice? Did you notice anything in particular that you can share with us? Uh, you know, just typical, uh, you know, a short, stocky guy comes in, you know, throws a hand majors, goes to that low single, will give him low center of gravity. So I just got to make sure I, I respect that, you know, keep circling and, and just keep my hands in the safe and my, and my kicks in the safe. And then, I mean, this is the fight I should win, but I, I've got to be more aggressive this time. i got to take him down. i got to see where, where his ground game is. Hopefully I can fix him there. But we'll see. I mean, now you say you need to be more aggressive uh, in your next fight. Does that mean you're unhappy with the way that your last fight went? fighting through an injury, you kind of have a built-in excuse, uh, but you're not giving yourself one here? your first Bellator win you've uh, fought in big promotions before but it was your first win in Bellator Bellator did it finally feel good to or, you know like the monkey off the back expression did it finally feel good to get your first win inside Bellator 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, cause I fought for, you know, for both of the big shows. Uh, I don't want to say any names, you know, out of respect. But anyways, I mean, I I lost the first two in the other promotion. I lost my first one for Bellator. And I just thought, probably was like a curse. You know? <laughs> like, I, I went on my fight to outside of the big shows, and then I get the big show, I just choked, you know. So, I've been getting that one, even though it was still sitting, it was kind of like, okay, now I can really check the form. Now I got that, you know, little monkey off my back, and now I can swing fights. The uh, Bellator division, uh, or the heavyweight division, is really interesting right now. There's no champion. There's a little bit of uncertainty. What is your read on the division? I mean, I think they're just looking for guys that are exciting, guys that, you know, hold, they want to get them out there. I, I don't know if they're going to be a tournament or they're just going to put two of the best guys out there. But whatever they do, i got to make sure I put on the performance so I can at least be in the picture, you know. Like, like I said before, I'm getting old, and uh, I like to get the belt before I get, you know, close to 40, so... Uh, so I'm trying to performances and hopefully they, my, hack, you know, my name gets thrown to the ring and uh, you know, I can get a chance to get that belt. With the vacated title and the uncertainty, no lineage or you know, for a shot, do you think that if you win, you get the title shot if they decide to make a fight instead of a tournament? Uh, probably not, just because you know, he doesn't have the name power yet. not saying he's not a good fighter. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying I don't think he has the name power where I could really justify a title shot I could beat him uh, but I think I need to go out there and finish that fight to give me a big name uh, so that way I can be in the ring for the belt but you know one thing at a time I gotta get, get past Bobby Brent before I think about anything like that so don't put the brakes on that right now <laughs> yeah. don't want to put the cart before the horse exactly understandable um, well how do you see this fight going uh, you know, it's, I think it's all situational. I think, he, you know, if he gives me a takedown, he's going to be in trouble. I think if I get on top of him, uh, I've been working on being more aggressive from the top, trying to finish fights, you know, uh, get him in situations where he can't move and I can pack him get some shots off on him. Uh, it's going to be hard because he's short, so I really got to make sure I set my shots up good. You know, and uh, he, likes to, he likes to rest, push on the cage, so I can work on all of that. And just making sure that, you know, all his, all his strengths become as deep as he in this fight, so... You know, I think, I, I think I'm going to finish this fight, but, you know, I'll pick, pick one, one round, one minute at a time, and see where it goes. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. No problem. All right, that was Chase Gormley uh, joining us by phone. Now, there's something that we do every week. We uh, invite people to call into the show and uh, leave voicemails with questions. So I wanted to take one of those calls. You drop the number on the screen if you wanted to call, leave a question for uh, later in the future. Maybe we'll answer it next week. Uh, maybe if we have time, we'll get to it this week. But uh, one person had called in and left a voicemail before the uh, show today and before the announcement on the uh on Colin, Colin Cowherd's show, uh, and it was about Ronda Rousey. So in the spirit of that, we wanted to go ahead and get this gentleman's question in because we appreciate him uh, taking the time out to uh, talk to us. So here is uh, the question. We'd like to know what your take is on Ronda's comeback fights. What we mean by that is Ronda has said she wanted to fight Holly Holm again and she wanted to fight for the belt, and she wanted to fight Chris Cyborg. And the only thing we can think of that makes sense is to go get the belt first and then defend it again against Holly and then go for Cyborg last. We feel Cyborg will end her career once and for all. But what's your take on it? So interesting question uh, for those of you 
who didn't necessarily understand, he's asking basically um, if we feel like the uh, fight against Holly Holm or what she does if she wins the belt basically is the next step after that. The Holly Holm rematch uh, he brought up and he brought up a potential fight with Chris Cyborg. So a couple of interesting things there first. Uh, first, I don't think that there's any interest in a fight with Holly Holm again immediately if Ronda Rousey were to win. Holly Holm's lost two fights in a row. One to Valentina Shevchenko, one to uh, Misha Tate when she lost the belt, which was an epic fight and not a close one at all. But uh, she lost to Valentina pretty soundly and seemed a little bit out of her game. So I don't know that that's the rematch that I want to see right away. I think uh, that if I were, if she were to win the title, I'd rather see her go about uh, the division and fighting new opponents. You know, the division's very different than when she left when or when she lost you know at that point in time it seemed like there was nobody who could challenge her and then she lost and then the titles changed hands and now all of a sudden it's seeming like there's a lot of uh fighters in the women's bantamweight division that could be champions uh you know juliana pena somebody who's been campaigning for a shot she wanted to fight amanda nunez um she's a top contender you know that's a name do you immediately go back to defending the title uh let holly Holm get a couple more wins before you go about uh, trying to win that and the other thing is i don't think you can book a rematch for holly Holm or for ronda rousey against holly Holm because she has some kind of uh you know score to settle with holly Holm when you have people like juliana pena who deserve a shot uh at the title so you know there those are things to consider as far as a cyborg goes um that's an interesting situation the weight cutting issue we've talked about on the show before i don't w- want to see uh Ronda Rousey or Cyborg go back down to 140, so she'd have to come up. You know, a lot of fighters in Ronda Rousey's absence uh, have expressed an interest in you know fighting in Cyborg and being willing to do so at 145 pounds. So I think that fight would be interesting, but it would only happen at 145 pounds, and it just doesn't seem like that's where we're headed right now. And I don't think that's anything that Ronda Rousey would want to do in the uh, you know short term after winning the title at 207 if she were to go on to win the title i think she'd want to you know defend it a little bit kind of get uh her mojo back i mean if she wins the title you can say that you know she's back and uh there's nothing to iron out and her you know her confidence is back and all that but i think they still she'd still want to string together a couple fights in at 135 pounds before trying to uh move forward to uh you know, taking on challenges like uh, Cyborg. And the reason, part of the reason why Cyborg was always an interesting fight was because Ronda Rousey had cleared out the division. The division isn't cleared out anymore uh, from Ronda Rousey's perspective. So she kind of has to get back to that point of clearing out the division before she can um, entertain doing something like chasing a fight out of her uh, weight class. Um, you know, you see all the people who are outraged about Conor McGregor fighting at 170 pounds, and now he's fighting at 155 pounds, and the division's on hold. You know, it'd be unfair to criticize Nate D, uh, Conor McGregor for doing that and then encourage or hope for Ronda Rousey to do it. So, you know, that's the other thing. Uh, fans got to pick which side of that they want to be on. Do they want to see uh, Ronda Rousey defend her belt and fight within the division, or do they want to see her um, chase these super fights? And, you know, there's nothing against super fights. There's been rumors about... Uh, GSP, uh, Anderson Silva, you know, people are interested in that. That's a welterweight legend, middleweight legend, you know, and Anderson Silva just fought uh, lightweight heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. So, I mean, there's interest in the super fights, and I'm interested in the super fights, but I think you can't be upset about one and then hope for the other. So, um, that's my thoughts. Uh, now, I wanted to switch gears a little bit because we have 
Jose Young's on the phone. Uh, Jose, thanks for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. I know you just got to California, but thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. Anytime, I'm at. Ooh, let me turn down the volume. So, uh, as you know, Dana White just announced that Ronda Rousey will fight Amanda Nunes for the title at UFC 207. Uh, one of the things we were, I was just talking about is whether it's fair that Rousey is getting an immediate title shot upon her return. Is, do you think it's fair that she's getting the immediate title shot, or uh, or do you think she needs the, the warm-up fight? I don't have any issues with it. I'm sure there are fighters like Juliana Pena. Well, I know there are fighters like Juliana Pena and Chris Cyborg who have been calling for their title fight. Uh, in terms of Juliana's case, she's calling for a title fight against current champ Amanda Nunes and Cyborg just lost to fight Ronda. Uh, so those two fights are out there too, but if anyone deserves an immediate title shot coming off a loss, it is Ronda Rousey. I mean, Dana White has said millions of times if she didn't exist, the UFC's bantamweight, women's bantamweight division probably wouldn't exist either. Her dominance and strike force and her, her just appeal to the casual fan is the sole reason women are in the UFC. So I have no issue with it. She was the longtime champion. Like when she is coming off that devastating loss, but if you remember when Chris uh, Chris Weidman uh, KO'd Anderson Silva in the second round, just like uh, Holly Holm KO'd Ron in the second round, Anderson Silva got the immediate title fight, and I I had no issue with it. Chris Weidman even said in the hype up hype before their first fight, "When I win, Anderson gets the immediate rematch." And usually, when you see like these longtime champions get dethroned. They get the immediate. They they do get the immediate rematch in terms of like Cain Velasquez. He lost after like being on the shelf for more than two years, and then he gets the immediate rematch. Chris Wyman loses. He gets the immediate rematch. So in a world of immediate rematches, I think this isn't an immediate rematch, but it is immediate title fight. I think Ronda deserves it more than most. Well, shortly after the announcement made, I stopped watching the Dana White segment because uh, I had to get ready to do this. Um, and Steve in the comments said that Dana White has already come out and said that if Rousey fight uh, wins. The cyborg fight will happen, um, and judging by some of my friends in the MMA media on Twitter, Dana White said that it will definitely happen. Um, he doesn't say it will happen immediately, but he says it will definitely happen. You can, uh, or at least the tweet that I'm seeing. So that's that's an interesting note uh, as we were talking about earlier. So, um, anyways, Jose, back to you. Uh, with Rousey coming back, do we see her return to her dominant form again? Um, will she be the Ronda Rousey that we knew before, the Ronda Rousey who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, or uh, will she not be that same Ronda Rousey given everything that's happened to her? It's tough to say. I mean, in, in, when fighters are on the shelf for so long, whether it's for an injury or like Cain Velasquez or, or GSP where they just re- go on hiatus, you usually see some sort of footage of them in the gym, of them training, of them staying in shape, or, or even them being on television or doing media saying, I'm ready to come back, I can't wait to come back, this and that. We haven't really seen that from Ronda. We haven't seen, we've only seen these snippets of TMZ or these pictures fans take of her walking around Venice with Travis Brown and they're arguing, is she in shape, is she not in shape, is she sparring, is she not, and no one really knows, so it's hard to really say because Ronda's such a different, It's it's been a different time for a fighter to take all this time off and the fact that we just haven't seen much of her at all she's basically gone into seclusion so ask me again in a month and i'll have a better answer immediate help <clears throat> and uh i'm seeing another tweet just to keep on top of this uh since stuff's coming out that uh dana white apparently did say that cyborg would be next according to a different twitter account so i didn't see i don't know but um sounds like there's some interesting developments there um uh, so 
we were talking about the competition level and you know the as perspective that she had cleared out the division and that not necessarily being the case anymore uh jose um do you feel like the competition has caught up to ronda rousey yes i mean you saw that in when holly holm fought her uh everyone was saying holly holm was the one to, to dethrone ronda even before she was in the ufc and then she does she gets the fight after two wins and people are already looking past her and she wins then she goes on and lose and holly then loses to Misha Tate in one of the greatest women's fights ever, uh, female fight ever, and Misha is by far a different fighter. I mean, she's training, she's back at Extreme Couture, her stand-up has, been look, has looked better, she's not making, she doesn't need to take the fight to the ground to win fights anymore, you saw that in her fight against Jessica I. Uh, so Misha, Misha's a whole different fighter, Holly's obviously still out there. You saw Amanda Nunes uh, just crumple uh, Misha at UFC 200, Juana Pena's out there, so I don't think it's just reached her i think it's might have surpassed her in terms of all around because yes ronda does have the boxing and she does have the judo but you don't really see her throwing kicks you only see her off her back and all these women now have all the tools so it it is tough to say surpassed or whatever but yeah i think anyone in the top five could give ronda rousey problems as and if you asked me that three years ago i don't know if anyone in the top five could even make out of the first round with ronda and uh Let's move on to other things. Uh, the other big news this week was Conor McGregor being fined. Uh, he got fined, I think it was 5%. It's 150000 for the whole water bottle throwing incident with uh, Nate Diaz at the UFC 202 press conference um, in the week, days leading up to their fight in August. Uh, do you think that the fine was excessive? I think it, my initial reaction was, wow, $150,000 is a lot for throwing a water bottle. But then when you think of, oh, that's 5%, and then you think, oh, that's not a lot for Conor McGregor. But then you see Eddie Alvarez was paid $150 to fight Rafael Lasagna. So Conor McGregor was fined, but Eddie Alvarez was paid in his last fight, which is a whole other conversation altogether. So uh, it's honestly, I wasn't surprised because it's the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and this is the one that wanted to get Nick Diaz five years uh, for failing a marijuana test that they couldn't even prove. So... My initial response was, wow, that's a lot of money. But then I go, eh, it's just the Nevada State Athletic Commission doing what they always do. So it's it's not right, but they, that's the only it, – it's just typical. It's typical. <laughs> well, what do you think about Nate Diaz? Uh, this was just for Conor McGregor's uh, culpability in the event. Um, Nate Diaz was supposed to go before the commission next month, allegedly. So what do you think happens to Nate Diaz? Well, when, when – when Nick, when his older brother Nick was in front of the commission, he had that a pretty phenomenal lawyer uh, backing him. So, if he has the same, I could see something a similar style of approach where they basically audited the commission, right? Like during the during the hearing, but Connor was on the phone. He was eloquent. He apologized. He said I was wrong. He did make the right point, saying he started it, and that might sound like a childish. Uh, argument but it's true he didn't throw the water bottles first he was reacting i think the commission believed him and they find him uh the hundred fifty thousand. uh nate and his brother aren't usually that eloquent and they speak what's on their mind unless they have someone behind them saying i plead the fifth and such and such uh so just like his entire fighting career i think we don't know what we're going to get with ats because he could very well show up and say i plead the fifth or it could be the commission could use their power to punish him worse than McGregor simply because he his team did start it. So who knows with that whole situation? Do you think 
that this at all changes the way McGregor acts at these press conferences. I mean, $150,000 is somebody who got $3 million to show, plus whatever pay-per-view buys or other kickers he got. Um, somebody who claims he made $40 million isn't necessarily a whole lot of money. He you know, boasted about it on uh, Twitter afterwards even. But still, um, Dana White alluded to it earlier uh, on the Fox Sports uh, show that Nate uh, Conor McGregor told him that he was, didn't want to fight in Nevada anymore. Um, we'll see if that's true or not. But do you think that this at all changes the way that Conor McGregor acts at these press conferences? Well, I know it'll change the fact that every time someone brings up pay, he's going to say, I get fined with you guys get paid. And it's, everyone knew as soon as he got paid that all oh, Conor's just going to spin this to his advantage, which I fully expect. I don't know if it, if it tempers his attitude because Conor seems to be a reactionary guy. Like someone, and Especially against his team, he's a very loyal a very loyal team of the SBG Ireland uh, crew. So if someone goes after his team, I think he's just going to react. Uh, if someone goes after him, I don't think he's going to start chucking water bottles just because someone someone is insulting him. Uh, I think it was just a matter of he's loyal. They were going after his friends and family, and he reacted. So I don't think he'll change much. Now, it's interesting that you um, mention his family. There was some talk at his... His representative, didn't, a lawyer, didn't seem really uh, to be presenting the best argument because it was very clear to, I think, a lot of people who were there in the media that uh, part of Conor McGregor reacting the way he did was the fact that the bottles that were originally being thrown weren't landing near him necessarily, but towards his family, um, who was kind of sitting to the right of where the media was. And his representative lawyer said that it was uh, that he was defending the media, which he wasn't. He was defending his team and his family or his girlfriend. Um, are you surprised that when... Connor finally got the chance to talk that he didn't clarify that he was defending his girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, I was, I thought, I was, I was surprised with a lot of stuff. I mean, they brought like Connor's team brought up like suspension and this and that. Like, oh, if you suspend us, we might uh, come at you with like Michelle. Like, who even brought up suspension? So there was a lot of stuff I was mystified about. They didn't bring up or did bring up on both ends, Connor and the commission. So if he. I don't know if it would have changed much because it seemed like the commission. Like there was one guy who was saying the fine of ten percent, which is a three hundred thousand dollar fine for throwing water bottles. So it's it's just the commission doing commission things. Even if Connor brought that up, I don't know if it would have changed much. And uh, UFC two hundred four is initially what we wanted to bring you on to talk about when we booked you. We didn't uh, know at the time that these announcements were going to come out or how the uh, hearing was going to go on Monday. So looking back, UFC 204, what are your thoughts on the card? All but uh, two fights went to decision. A lot of people thought it was going to be a boring fight, but it turned out to be seemingly a very exciting fight. Um, So what were your initial reactions to the event? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised where it seemed like every fight, even the fight pass fights were were pretty close and even that first one a lot of people had a draw then you had that Mike Perry fight which is honestly crazy exciting uh, all in all top to bottom pleasantly surprised I knew the top two three fights were going to deliver with OSP and Manawa and then obviously the four middleweights in Belfort, Gegard, Bisping and Henderson pleasantly surprised with the whole card I think it's one of the more uh, flown under the radar cards especially with the U202 and then the CM Punk at 203 and then the big 205 it seems like all these super cards are coming out and this one was flying under the radar so it over delivered in, in my mind interesting the Bisping Henderson fight was a huge talking point it was a close fight uh, it went to decision and there was a lot of debate about who won the fight some people had it as draw some people had it as Henderson some people had it as Bisping how did you score the fight who did you have winning 
I had it three rounds to two Bisping. I think Henderson clearly won the first. Uh, people can argue about the second when that's the one where Henderson dropped him at the end. Uh, but it's similar to that Nate Diaz and, and Connor round where, yeah, Connor was winning, but then Nate Diaz had that flurry. But Connor didn't really get dropped. Dan, uh, Dan did drop Bisping and swarm on him. So I gave Bit, uh, Henderson the first two rounds, and then I gave Bisping the last two rounds. And I saw a lot of guys saying that first round should have been a 10 8, which I agree. Uh, but knowing how MMA judges do, I knew it wasn't going to be a 10 8, so I, I figured they were going to give it 10 9, uh, uh, three rounds to two Bisping. So, no, the judges, they did score 10 8. They didn't score it the way that some people thought about. Uh, what was your thoughts on the judges? Do you have faith in the judges? No, none. Absolutely not. Especially for a hometown uh, when the hometown favorite is fighting, is defending his title. <laughs> That's a very, very clear answer. Well, let's talk about the middleweight division. Uh, Dana White kind of mentioned that there was a little tournament in place um, for the who's going to get the title shot. He's talking about Chris Weidman fighting Yoel Romero at UFC 205 and uh, Luke Rockhold fighting Jacare a week or two after that. So how do you see the middleweight division playing out in those fights, and who do you think ends up getting the next shot? I think Bisping already wants to fight Chris Weidman, so if Chris Weidman comes out on top, I bet Chris Weidman gets it. Luke Rockhold, Jacare is happening, at, is happening after the Weidman fight. I'm sure Bisping is going to be in New York. I'm sure they're going to have words before or after, and both, both honestly. So uh, I know Bisping is very adamant. He doesn't want to fight Romero. He said he already beat uh, Rockhold, and Jacare lost to Romero. So he's already throwing Weidman's name out there. So if Weidman does indeed win on the biggest card in UFC history, I fully expect him to get the title shot. And what about Gegard Musasi? He got a big win over Vitor Belfort, and then at the press conference, he kind of broke character. He's known for being a really quiet guy, but he kind of broke character, aired out some of his feelings at the press conference. It was as close to a rant as you're going to get from him. Uh, what does his future hold going forward? Hard in UFC history, I fully expect. You there? Okay, I'm being told we got him back on the line. Jose, before we wrap up, let's uh, talk about UFC 205. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, we haven't talked to you since the fight card got announced, and we'll talk to you about it more in depth before the card comes. Uh, but what were your thoughts when the card was announced? Greatest fight. Greatest fight card top to bottom in UFC history. I mean, you got Rashad Evans fighting Tim Kennedy, I believe, on Fight Pass, which is pretty crazy. I mean, you got six fights on the main card, which the UFC never, on a pay-per-view, which the UFC never does. You got three title fights, which the UFC hasn't done since September 2001. And that was the worst fight card in UFC history, according to Dana White. That was the Tito Ortiz, Vladimir Matsuchenko fight, when there was like 10 out of 11 fights went to a decision. Dana White's a superstitious guy. He said he would never do it again. He's doing it again now. So that was the first thought I had. I go, wow, Dana's doing something he said he would never do. I'm also curious I'm also wondering what the big reveal Dana keeps teasing that Conor McGregor is going to announce after the fight, uh, which is the sole reason they've made this fight to begin with, because Conor has this, this big breaking news, and Dana said, this is, we have to make this fight now. Then. So there's obviously rumors swirling about Conor might be a dad, someone in his family is sick. And the only one that knows is Conor and, and those close to him. So I'm curious about that. Chris Wyman's obviously on the card in New York. It's weird that we were talking about this a few weeks ago where there's that picture of all the New York-based fighters that are basically representing the UFC to try and get the new 
MMA legalized in New York, and Chris Weidman is the only fighter on the entire on, from that group that's on this card. A little mystified by that, but all in all, greatest fight card in UFC history. And from what I'm hearing, it's the hardest ticket to get in New York right now. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to join us, Jose. Let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me at Jose Youngs. It's J-O-S-E-Y-O-U-N-G-S, one word, on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on pretty much the same thing as Instagram, at Jose Youngs. Uh, I'm more active on those two, but if everybody wants to ever chat about any of this, you know where to find me. Thanks, Jose. Anytime, my man. Uh, he brings up an interesting point that uh, we should talk about, that Conor McGregor is rumored to want to take time off after uh, UFC 205. Now, why... That is, we didn't, we're not sure yet. Uh, Dana White said he was going to wait and let Conor McGregor announce it on his own time, which he kind of already ruined by bringing it up in the first place and allowing speculation and rumors and all that to go rampant. But it's an interesting point, uh, and it lines up interesting well with Rousey's return. With Rousey returning, we um, will hear we'll, the UFC will have another star come into place because without Conor McGregor for a few months. Uh, or a year even, that's a huge, huge disruption to the UFC pay-per-view model. Uh, his last two pay-per-view fights against Nate Diaz did 1.6 million page views, or, or buys, I mean, um, and it's a huge, huge moneymaker. And without Conor McGregor, you're lacking a star to anchor a few big pay-per-view events that can bring in big numbers and big money for the company. Uh, Ronda Rousey coming back kind of alleviates some of that. Again, it goes back to what we mentioned earlier, that they haven't been able to really sync up their careers and have a run together where, you know, Conor McGregor boasts about the year the UFC had with him uh, helming the ship and uh, anchored by two pay-per-views. This one would be a huge one because, you know, he fought uh, 196, 202, there was 200 this year, and then 205 is going to be massive. And then Ronda Rousey fighting and sneaking. And Connor will definitely take credit for uh, 2016 being successful. But, uh, if, you know, if he's out for all of 2017, you're going to see a drop-off. And part of that is because the biggest star left, even with Rousey returning, we, we haven't quite been able to enjoy the UFC with both of them having their peak runs at the same time, which is an interesting situation. Um, so... That's that's interesting uh, and definitely something to think about going forward. Um, still, the Ronda Rousey fight is going to do massive numbers. The only concern I have, the more I think about it and digest it, is that uh, it's the night before New Year's Eve, um, which could be an interesting situation. That's normally a weekend that the UFC likes to have a card, whether it's before or after. Um, but with the college football playoff and everything, there's a lot of other distractions. So will this fight still live up to its potential with all that going on? Or um, will it be uh, as big of a deal as they had hoped for? Um, You know, 206 didn't make sense to bring her back there in Toronto. You already have Daniel Cormier fight announced for that. Um, So 207 seemed logical if you were going to try and get her in before the end of the year. And, uh, you know, if the UFC really wants to have a record-breaking year in terms of numbers, that's almost the the fight to do it. So... um, some more thoughts as they're rolling in. Uh, we have one other fighter calling in to join us today. His name is Ricky Rainey. He's fighting at Bellator 162, uh, October 21st in Memphis. Uh, Ricky, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. It's been a while since we've seen you in the cage. Uh, what have you been up to in the absence? Oh, um, basically I've been uh, teaching, teaching a little bit and. uh, Basically, just training. Training every day still. 
you were supposed to fight earlier this year, but it got canceled. Uh, when you have a fight like that get canceled, is it frustrating? Um, you know, I put in a lot of hard work and stuff, but you know, it's it's, it's part of the game. Injuries happen, changes happen. I'm not one to get all bent out of shape because they don't go my way all the time. So I just uh, roll with it. Just roll with the punches. Now, your last fight, the fight against Chidi, was really interesting. The two of you were really pleasant to one another uh, throughout the fight, you know, tapping gloves before each round. And then before the third round, I think the two of you even hugged uh, before the round started, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was an adventure for me. My eye was all closed and stuff. I never had it happen before. You know, and, uh, you know, I always respect the fighter for who they are, but, you know, I get the chance to finish them. But it was just, you know. Mutual respect for strikers, you know, and you just we just went at it, man. It was a close result. Some thought it could have gone a different way. Uh, how did you feel about the way the fight was scored? Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't agree with uh, the way the fight was scored. Uh, a lot of the world told me that I won the fight, but you know, you know, it's, uh, I don't know how to really put it. Uh, I had a fight before that that happened the same way. So I guess it's like, unfortunately, it's a little bit of politics and everything. And I feel like maybe a little bit of politics helped them through to that victory. Interesting. Um, every time there's a controversial decision, it highlights the judges and whether there's adequate training to judge uh, for judges who will be scoring MMA fights. What are your thoughts on that situation? Um, well, from what I was thinking, I, I usually thought that it was um, scored by you know, uh, ring generalship, you know, and uh, I, I pretty much controlled the ring. I took him down a few times and dropped him twice. Uh, I felt like, you know, he, he left some kicks and two, like, two elbows. And other than that, I really felt like I controlled the fight. But, you know, I can't I can't change the outcome. People always say, oh, you should don't leave it in the hands of the judges. Well, motherfuckers, um... Sometimes the judge got to be able to judge it because sometimes people ain't going to let you knock them out and finish fights, you know? So, you know, to, everybody has their own opinion, but, you know, I, I got mine and, you know, the world got there. So I just let, luckily it was on national TV, unlike my other one, so everybody could actually see how it went and then they can just make their own decision. It's kind of the whole uh, never leave it in the hands of the judges mentality is kind of unfair. It's like, telling you know a team sport like the nfl the nba baseball that they can't win a close game that they have to win uh soundly by uh, by a blowout is you know is it unfair yeah yeah i mean it's almost impossible because all of all professionals you know if they really taking their career seriously they train like professionals they train the you know last however long the fight lasts so i mean you know it's 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 if I don't really want to, you know, put too much bad stuff on anybody's side. But, you know, it was, he was closer to home than I was. So it sort of, <laughs> it sort of just happened like it happened. Well, your opponent uh, for your next fight is Gilbert Smith, who is new to Bellator but was on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, did you go back and watch The Ultimate Fighter at all while scouting? Uh, I watched a little bit of it. I don't, I don't really watch a lot of fights, but I saw a little bit of it, yeah. You weren't interested in scouting? Uh, nah, nah. I really, um, really, I only watch a little bit of my opponents, and I let my coach do the rest of it. Um, usually, my coaches know dead on exactly what to do. 
I watch a little bit to see what I can gauge off of it. But after that, I just listen to everything my coach repeatedly puts in my mind to do. And then I just go out there and perform it. And uh, what kind of things are your coaches telling you after scouting going into this fight? Um, you know, not to be too heavy. Don't be too set up, set down heavy. Um, you know, use my angles and foot movement and use my range. Since I'm known for my range and keeping good range, if I use that, I'll be able to set up some, uh, set up some big shots to hopefully uh, get the fight finished. Do you have a prediction? Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I predict... Um, I usually say around the second round because I got to feel the person out. I got to see what's going to go on. Uh, I don't want to be too, oh, I'm going to knock out the first round. So I usually say around second round, we're going to figure out what's going on and, and something big is going to happen in a second. All right, well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to talk to us. All right, no problem, no problem. Oh, thank you. And that was Ricky Rainey. He fights in Memphis at Bell Tour 162 later this month. Make sure to check that out on Spike TV. Um, and we have one last question uh, before we wrap things up. And it comes from Dan in Oregon. This is his question. Remember, this is a voicemail that he left for us. And you can leave a voicemail for us at any time at 815-570-3923 with a question. And we'll answer it on the air just like we're about to answer Dan's. Hey, this is Dan from Oregon. Got two questions. Who do you want to see GSP fight at UFC 206? And what do you think of this matchup for UFC on Fox December 17th from Sacramento? Uriah Faber versus BJ Penn. That would be a legend fight. Get your questions off here. Comments. Thank you. So two interesting questions there. Um, First one, uh, who do we want GSB to fight in his return? Well, I still think the fights, the return is going to happen at UFC 206. It's just a matter of who. Um, I think there's two candidates. It's either going to be Diaz, Nick Diaz. I think that's a fight people want to see. Um, but he has to clear up his own hurdles before that can happen. Do you know there were reports leading up to 202 that he couldn't um, be involved in certain aspects because he hadn't finished paying off the fine from the suspension? Um, that was handed down to him by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. So and that has to be cleared. And if that's been paid, then that opens it up, and that would be an interesting fight. But I think, like Jose said, or um, has told me, I can't remember if he said it earlier in, when we've talked in the past, is that uh, Anderson Silva would be the interesting fight to make because it's a fight that it's Mayweather-Pacquiao for MMA fans in a lot of ways. Uh, GSP reigned over the welterweight division for so long um, Anderson Silva, you know, was such a dominant champion in the middleweight division for so long. And they were two really icons of the sport before the sport went mainstream, really arguably with, uh, Rousey coming in and then eventually Conor McGregor taking it to the next level. Yeah. So they both kind of missed the boat on that, which is disappointing. Some of the casual fans who have come into the sport didn't get to watch their runs. Um, but it's kind of the closest thing. I know people think Rousey Cyborg's kind of become that Pacquiao Mayweather thing, but uh, GSP Silva's kind of been that for fans who've been around a little bit longer. It's the fight that they want, the super fight they wanted to see, this dominant welterweight champion versus this dominant middleweight champion. Um, so I think that would be really interesting to see. And if that fight was doable, I think that fight might be the fight to make. You know, you have some questions over whether um, that's the right fight to make you know, GSP, do you get him back involved in the title picture? Does that really push that 
narrative forward by having him fight in a super fight with Silva. Does that get him in title picture? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't think it hurts him. You know, a lot of people will probably think he needs a warm-up fight anyways before getting a shot at the welterweight title. So why not Anderson Silva? Um, he's a bigger guy at a bigger weight class who's taller, longer, and that presents challenges in itself, even if Silva's skills have declined. So that's interesting. Um, you know, and Silva has gone on this record. He hasn't lost since like what, 2000, or he hasn't won since like 2012. Um, I mean, I guess you could count that Nick Diaz win from uh, UFC 182, but it was overturned. So he doesn't officially on his record have a win. Uh, he lost to Cormier, which he took on short notice. So you can't really hold that against them. The two losses to Weidman, um, the loss to Bisping. So that was a little bit controversial on its own right. But, uh, you know, I think Silva's still a legitimate uh, fighter. Well, that's the wrong way to phrase it, but a legitimate challenger to GSP if you were to come back. Um, and I think it would be a huge, huge fight that would draw a lot of interest. GSP returning in his front of his you know home crowd. It's super fight with Anderson Silva. Um, the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight that MMA fans have been longing for finally coming to fruition. So I think that would be really interesting. The other thing Dan from Oregon asked is um, what we think about this fight at Sacramento, uh, Uriah Faber versus BJ Penn. I'm on the side of things that I think BJ Penn shouldn't fight anymore. Um, I remember watching that last fight against Frankie Edgar, and, you know, it was heartbreaking, and he said he shouldn't have come back, and here he is, you know, however long later, coming back and fighting again. Um, you know, he's been training at Jackson Wink and doing some new things to try and prepare himself, and, I, and I'm a big, you know, all for that, but um, I'm kind of leaning towards the, I don't know that I want to see him fight again. You know, there's physical harm that he could be doing to himself that he needs to be cognizant of. Um, that being said, it would be an interesting fight. And I do think, uh, you're thinking the Sacramento and Uriah Faber tie is correct. The team alpha male is based in Sacramento card, uh, Sacramento. So you would imagine that the Sacramento card would have to be loaded with alpha male talent. Paige Van Zandt, Uriah Faber, um, Danny Castillo, people like that. Uh, you know, and I believe that's a Fox card. So do you squeeze uh, Cody Carbrandt versus Dominic Cruz for the title on that card? That would be another interesting storyline. You know, Cruz is a California boy in its own right, albeit from Southern California. Cody um, trains a team alpha male in Sacramento, so it kind of be a hometown fight for him. Um, that would be an interesting storyline and an interesting way to sell that fight. Uh, I know Cody has been hoping that they put this fight on 207, which could still happen. They could buoy the return by putting that fight on there. Um, so that's still an option. But I think historically we've seen that belt in particular be defended on uh, Fox cards. I know Dillashaw defended it on a Fox card and the Burrell rematch at, uh, in Chicago in July of 2015. Then uh, he lost it to Cruz when they finally fought on a Fox card from Boston, if I'm remembering correctly. So that's a card that's historically been on Fox cards and that might happen as, as well. So um, that's interesting. There's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of fights there, but I think they should go heavy Northern California um, with that card. You know, Chris Avila is a guy who trained, uh, who fought on 202 from the Diaz camp. Like he's somebody who could fight uh, on that card, you know, from the Stockton area. So there's a lot of interesting options there. Um, so, We'll we'll see what they un unveil. They might not want to put another title fight on that card. They might want to hold off until the next year. Um, they have three title fights on 
the card at New York, followed by the light heavyweight, followed by the women's bantamweight. So they have a lot in a short amount of time, basically two months right there. That's five titles that are going to be defended. So they might want to spread things out instead of adding a sixth title fight during that two-month stretch. Um, but Faber Penn would definitely anchor a Fox Sports card. I think that's something that people would tune into. So um, your thought process isn't wrong there. That's definitely something that they could consider. Um, but that's all we have for you today. Uh, huge news with Ronda Rousey. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you for the people who asked questions, uh, on the voicemail line. Thank you for people who commented below. Um, you can download this podcast in iTunes. You can download it in Google play. You can get it in the tuning app. Uh, please make sure to review, leave us a five-star review and some comments. Um, we really appreciate it. And remember that you can call our line and leave a voicemail with your name and a question, and we'll answer it on the show like we did earlier or just now with Dan. Uh, that number, once again, is 815-570-3923. I'll read it off one more time. It's 817, or 815, I'm sorry, 570-3923. So thank you for everyone who tuned in to watch. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week.